the thirst is real. So I like hate conflict. It's not that I can't handle conflict. I just hate it. I don't like aggressive conflict. I think that there is nothing that can't not be solved by just two humans sitting and engaging in civil communication. Like I don't understand why things need to get ugly, but anyway. So Dave and I are grocery shopping. Uh, we're in the city of Toronto. So in the aisle next to us is a black employee. He's young. He looks like he might be in high school. And then there's like this, a white customer and they're arguing about something and it's very clear. Um, the black kids being like very like calm, very poised, keeping it together. And this white man is like r trying to rile him up to the point that like the black employee was like I like he's removing himself so he's coming outside of his like aisle and then the white man gets in his face and starts screaming like the most obscene things like I, I kind of blacked out at one point but at one point he's like see that cop over there I'm gonna get that cop over there to come over here and kill you and like there's just something that like it struck such a nerve and I just get in this like I get so angry that I don't know who I am this white man's like 10 times bigger than me and I just get in between them and I start separating them. And I'm like pushing the white man away from this child. Like he was so young and he held himself very together. But I could tell after the cop comment that he was like triggered, rightfully so. Um, so yeah, I'm like pushing them away, pushing them apart in this white man's face, pushing him on his chest. And, um, you know, David then like swings in and grabs me. And like we leave the store. I'm like bawling. I see that security is now there handling the situation. Everything's fine. And then, like, David's mad at me. And then I'm like, why are you mad at me? Like, what the fuck? Like, are you you're seriously going to be mad at me right now? Everybody should be mad at that white man. Um, but he was basically, and he has a point. It's, like, the whole concept of, like, not my monkey, not my circus in terms of, like, not everybody's problem or not everyone's conflict is yours. And I seriously, that man could have really injured me. He was, like, very, like, unhinged and... You know, it could have resulted in me getting in the hospital. It was just like, I don't know. It was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like this is the current world that we live in. And I'm just supposed to be sitting here like, okay, sure, that's fine. Um, maybe the best move would have been to call security. I just in that moment needed to separate him from this like poor little kid that I felt like, I don't know. And it just like it haunts me a little bit because I can't imagine what it's like to be a black man in America right now. And I mean, today's guest, Ryan Russell, really kind of, you know, is very vulnerable and talks about a lot of that stuff um, and really gives a lot of insight. If you don't know Ryan Russell, he is a former NFL player, football player that came out. I want to say he's like the second NFL player to like come out as gay. And, you know, he has such a like, even through this recording, you could tell he has such a like, um, strong vibration in the sense of like he's so centered and he has so much wisdom that he talks about even on like being a black man in America on toxic masculinity on identity it was such a great conversation and when I think of that young man at Loblaws which is our grocery store 
I, you know, at first, like, it was this place of, like, worried for him. But then I see people like Ryan Russell who have been able to navigate their lives and navigating coming out in one of the most, like, I don't know, the NFL, like, very hetero, very judgmental. Um, And for him to have, like, men like Ryan Russell to look up to is, like, really kind of, like, there is hope in this world. And, yeah, I mean, without further ado, I really just want to jump into my conversation with Ryan Russell because, I don't know, it was very insightful. Him and his cute little boyfriend, he's also an interrelation. In, wow, can I speak? He's also in an interrelation. Okay, let's try this again. He is also in an interracial relationship like myself. So he talks about that. Him and his boyfriend do the cutest TikToks. I mean, I wonder if David would ever do a joint TikTok with me. Probably not. I think I tried at the beginning of quarantine and he was like, absolutely not. Um, So yeah, check them out on TikTok. All his social stuff is plugged at the end. Before we jump into that conversation, I hope that you know that the Thirst Boy box is live. It is a subscription box and all the products in the boxes are curated from gay founded brands and businesses. So it's really hashtag gay supporting gays. Right now, the box is the hot boy summer box with all the essentials that you need to have yourself a fun little hot boy summer. I think we have three weeks left of sales. It's a $200 value for $69. You can use the code, the thirst is real. Thirst is with a Y to get free shipping on your box. If you've come from the pod, that is the thirst is real. The link will be in the description of this podcast, but it's www.thirstboy.com. Get yourself a hot boy summer box. And let's jump into our conversation with Ryan Russell. Hey, Ryan. Hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going? You know, it's going. Right. What a year. We'll dive into kind of your year and what you've been going through. But let's kick things off. I just want to dive in with some rapid fire questions to get to know you real quick. Yes. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person? Oh, I'm a morning person. I feel like if you wake up at 5 a.m., you kind of force yourself to be a morning person. Right, right. Facebook or Twitter, which one are you more on? Twitter. I don't have Facebook anymore. You don't have it at all? No, deleted it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Instagram <laughs> or TikTok? Instagram. I don't have TikTok. <laughs> Stop. Okay. You, you are loyal to your social media platforms. <laughs> Do you have a favorite reality TV personality? Oh, my God. I would have to say Cardi B when she was on reality TV, just because yes. she's Cardi B. She's hilarious. Right. <laughs> she's made right. for entertainment. <laughs> that's a good one, actually. No one's ever said Cardi B because she's like a rapper now, so nobody ever really thinks yeah. of her, but that's how she started off. What's the last show you binge watched? Oh, my goodness. Oh, we watched so many shows. RuPaul's Drag Race, most likely. Okay. I, I feel like I'm currently re-binging it, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to use that one. <laughs> okay, who's your favorite queen since you're watching? Do you have a favorite queen? I know, it's such a tough question. Currently, I will have to go with the reigning champ of All-Star Season 5, Shea Coulee. Okay. The taste jumped out. Okay. Okay. So these are this or that type questions. Would you rather detect any lie told or get away with telling any lie? Uh, Detect any lie. I feel like I, yeah, I don't need to lie that much. But I need to know if people are being honest. I need to Amen. I would pick that too. I think I know this one, but true love or being filthy rich? True love. Right. Would you rather only age from the neck up or the neck down? Uh, <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I'm going to, I'm going to say neck down just because 
I got to trust my genes up top. You know, the whole black doesn't crack has been really good to my family. So I got to trust that. Right, right, right. And you can just cover up whatever. Okay, lose your ability to see or hear. I love music so much, but my ability to hear, I feel like we depend so much on our sight. Like I can't imagine not seeing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) fair enough. And then you get good news. Who's your first call? My mom. Okay, that's cute. Okay, so I want to talk about career. So what's interesting is how I stumbled upon your Instagram page was actually through poetry. And then I was like reading your poetry and then I found out you're in the NFL. And then obviously, you know, quick Google told me that you, you know, you recently came out, you've recently went public with your relationship you're in an interracial relationship. So many things to dive into, but let's just dial it back to what got you, like, how did you end up in the NFL? Oh my God. Years of sacrifice and blood. (laughs) and Yeah. All types of hyper-masculine things. Uh, No, but seriously, I, my mother, like I kind of mentioned earlier, she's my rock. It's been me and her for so long. Uh, my biological father was not in the picture in the beginning of my life. I had a stepdad that raised me till I was seven. He he passed away in a motorcycle accident. So it's just been me and my mom. I grew up in Buffalo, New York until, like I said, my stepfather passed away. And then my mom relocated us to Dallas, Texas. She was like, it's better education, better opportunities. And we kind of get like a fresh start. We get away from all kind of the craziness. Yeah. If you know anything about Dallas, Texas, or anyone knows anything about Dallas, Texas, it is church and football. Like that is (laughs) what it is freaking like founded upon. And of course, along with some other not so great things like racism and super conservative. (laughs) We're not going to get into that. We're going to go with, we're going to go with the football and um, the church. So instantly I'm a huge kid. Like I, always looked very, I was very tall, even if I wasn't, you know, like facial hair or anything. And yeah. my first time just walking the halls, coaches were literally like following me to class. They were like, who are you? Where have you been? We need you to play. Uh, I was reluctant at first because like I said, it was just me and my mom. So I was working like part-time jobs and going to school, like trying to help with bills. My mom ended up getting in a really good position with the job. and was like, you know, hey, if you want to pursue football, go for it. I was like a junior in high school. It was my first time. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I fell completely in love with it. And huh. thank God the game fell in love with me too. And my coach was like, you're great. They were like, you're yeah. great. <laughs> uh, ended up getting a scholarship and then going and pursuing football. And within my first couple of years of collegiate ball, you know, getting kind of like all these honors and like all these great little awards and having a lot of success, I realized like the NFL is a real thing. Like I could make it, play my dream game and take care of my mother who's sacrificed literally everything for me. Right, um, so cool. So <laughs> that is amazing. So you weren't like just like a little kid, like obsessed with football. You kind of just like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And then it was like, okay, oh this my could work. God. <laughs> my mother was a huge football fan. She tried to get me in when I was like little into like Pee Wee League. And she loves telling this story. She's like, I told her, no, mommy, I don't want to get dirty. Like, I'm not trying to right. go out there and mess up my new clothes. <laughs> I love that. It was the dirt for you that steered you away. I was like, why? I just put on my fresh little polo. I was like, <laughs> taking pictures. I'm looking good. Like, all the little kids is, is one to hang out and play with me. I'm not trying to go out here and get yeah. dirty. No, I get that. So, like, you know, I think we know a lot about, like, football and, like, being gay. But, like, we don't know what being gay and then black in the NFL is really like and I'm sure you could literally do a whole podcast episode just on that but if there's like one kind of thing that was the most difficult for you what would that be oh my god the one thing it's 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 very it's very challenging 
being a queer person also identifying as as bisexual because there is I kind of felt a lot of naysayers backlash stigma erasure on both sides obviously the straight right. very hyper masculine football community is not so welcoming not so accepting and just really doesn't have that many out people they really don't have that many examples Fair, to know yeah. how to, to navigate or really know the vocabulary that should be used or or anything, the sen- the type of sensitivity you need to approach certain topics with, especially when you're in such a visible game that a lot of like young children and families watch. Families yeah. that we all know have queer people in them, that we all yeah. know have minority people and people of color in them. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was a whole, that's like a whole different battle. <laughs> right. And then from my own community, a lot of the initial response, obviously the community is very versed and very, very um, diverse also and very accepted, but there is still a lot of bi erasure. There is still a lot of biphobia and really just kind of misinformation that I was getting from community that I was really like leaning on to educate me and support me. Um, But that's no excuse. We all need to educate ourselves. So I did that. And now I hope to be in a representative in that community and be like, hey, but this is kind of where we need to go. Like, this is what's great about me. I love this. Let's fucking praise this. So the cows come home. These are things we can work on. <laughs> right, right. And that's the thing I think when I commend you on that, because that's the thing I think, especially our generation, and like we have access to social media or whatever, we just think it's like, okay, we're part of this LGBT community, the work's done. Like where, yeah. you know what I mean? We have some type of equality. There's countries where like equality isn't even like on the table. It's not even up for discussion. So we have so much work to do. So I really just want to commend you on like, okay, this is where we're at. We're about to take it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, even just to note on that, like, I really knew little to nothing about trans lives, trans women, trans men, and trans people. And that is something where once I came out and established, you know, who I was and my truth, I had to educate myself immediately because trans people, specifically Black trans women and Black trans people, are under attack. Like, it's not just something where, you know, their rights are being taken away, their lives are being taken away. And that's something that I was really, like, oh my God, how did I not see this before? How did I not know this before? Beat myself up a little bit. Then it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do moving yep. forward? Like we know, how do we make things better? How do we become the change? How do we empower the, the people that feel the most suppressed and oppressed? Yeah, you gotta, we got to lift each other up. We got to really just work together as a community, all of the letters. But okay, so back to the NFL, because it's, it's just so, I'm so intrigued by, you know, the NFL, what we see about it, it's like so glamorous and glorious. And especially in America, it's like a sense of pride. But what's the one biggest like misconception? Like, you know, when you see things in the movies, you're like, that, that does not happen. <laughs> well, first of all, I do not watch football movies, like football movies and football shows irk me to the I can imagine I'm just like it's so unreal it's like this never happens this never happens so I would say honestly the biggest misconception is probably just what happens inside the locker room and I say that because also there's been kind of the political media spin when you know agent orange the former um president because we're just gonna just close that chapter you know said like oh this is locker room talk and a person who's never been in a locker room along with that person now has this whole preconceived notion of what locker room talk is and how player you know how we dick around together or buddy buddy blah 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 abc so i think it's honestly just a huge misconception of what a player is like outside of their helmet their shoulder pads their team logo like we all are brothers. We're all, fa- you know, fathers. Some of us are husbands, you know. Yep. We are fully encompassed people. And I think that's 
the power that we see moving forward, even when you have Black quarterbacks um, like Lamar Jackson and Kyle Murray and all these young Patrick Mahomes, all these young, great inspirational faces of the NPA, of the NFL, who are Black, standing up for Black Lives Matter, standing up for right. Black voices, standing up for like Breonna Taylor. And we're getting finally this view of who football players are outside of just what they do. And I think before that was the biggest misconception. It was easy to villainize players even because, you know, you're nothing more than a jersey. You're nothing more yeah. than a helmet. You're an insignia. Um, so I think that's a beautiful, yeah, definitely a strong misconception, but a beautiful thing that's changing as we move forward. Right. Yeah. We're getting to know the human behind kind of all the gear and their stories and their backstories. And it really, social media has a lot to do with that because before you would only see them on like the Sunday night football, you know? So it's cool. I really want to talk about your writing. So one, I'm like, I love poetry. I love going to bed. I love getting lost in like Instagram poetry and just like, cause those are sometimes the most raw poetry because people are writing and then posting instantly. But like, talk to me about your writing pro process. Like, is this something that you were always just journaling or were you like, I want to learn more about poetry and then I'm going to like, you know, start writing it. Like, how did it come to be? I was always kind of writing, like I mentioned a little earlier when I lost my stepfather, that was a relationship that, Yes, it was very close and very important to me, but I was so young. You know, I didn't know how to process yeah. loss at the seven. Like, I barely know how to process loss now at 28. Like, yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was such a huge thing. And poetry was a way for me to kind of talk about these feelings, talk about these emotions and really uncover them. And I didn't know at the time, obviously, I was writing poetry. The first poem I ever remember really writing was like a letter to God. And it was kind of like, why do certain things happen? Why do certain people, you know, suffer? Why do certain people succeed and all these things and it just kind of grew very naturally very secretly too like everything that I write is very personal whether it's very personal to me or very personal to someone in my life that I've witnessed um experience or go through things it's all very personal and for the longest time I thought no one would ever know that wrote poetry like even in relationships like people think it's like people think it's like a little relationship trick like oh I bet you were writing poems to like all the guys and girls growing up it's yeah, like yeah, not yeah. at all <laughs> not at them. all so they can know yeah, so they can know how freaking crazy I was? No. <laughs> um, but of course, and in, in when you come, and kind of in terms of coming out and coming into my own and loving myself and realizing my emotions and my artistry and my poetry are a huge part of what makes me me. And sharing it not only maybe helps someone else, but it helps me. It heals me. You know, it makes me comfortable with my own self and comfortable with my truth and my emotions and being vulnerable. And there's so yeah. much power in vulnerability. Like, I think that's a part about toxic masculinity that really hurts a lot of young, not even young, a lot of men and boys in general, because yep. you think that vulnerability is weakness when really that is one of our greatest strengths as human beings. And one of the most, the strongest things that can connect us mm -hmm. as a, as just a society. Yeah. I think that's like the funny part about vulnerability is everybody thinks it's weakness, but the amount of strength it takes to really one, go to that place, acknowledge it as yourself and then to communicate it, because it's almost a two step process, because you can, you know, oh, wow, I'm feeling these thoughts and feelings and not want to express them. But then expressing them is really where the strength, I don't know, kind of embodies yeah. and takes form. You own it. Like yes. no one can hurt you if you own it. Like it's 100 percent. <laughs> yep, exactly. Speaking of claiming, you've been claiming your man loud and proud <laughs> on social media. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit about how social media gives us access to these players that we traditionally would have just seen on a TV screen. So you are now sharing your relationship on social media. How is that process? I mean, it's been a little bit over a year now, right? Yeah, it's been over a year and a half now. Okay. Which is awesome. Um, the process is, it started out so 
just um, simply like, hey, I've never been able to do this. I've never been able to have a boyfriend and post a picture with my boyfriend. So I did it. You know, it was like, it was like a bucket list thing almost for me. I was like, I really want to do this. It's so cute. Uh, and just the, the like feedback that we got and the comments and the support and the love that we got was obviously very, very just positive and made us feel very good. But also we saw a bigger kind of effect from it being a lot of young queer people feeling validated and feeling seen love feeling that. like they could have this future and they could have love and they could date and they could be open and they could be happy and I think that was the moment where it was like one we just also just enjoy you know posting about our relationship and being open about our relationship but two we are giving a young queer person an example that necessarily we didn't have I didn't have that you oh, know yeah, like, it didn't I exist didn't, yeah, I, you didn't see that. I mean, I didn't, there was, I didn't see an out active NFL player. I didn't see definitely not a, an athlete, two men in an interracial way. Just so many just intersections, I feel like. And, and if something makes not only me and my partner feel good, but makes other people feel good about being who they are, then it was kind of like a no-brainer for us. It's like, if, you know, we don't feel obligated to share our relationship, we want to share our relationship. Yeah. We want to show people our love and and know that, they deserve a great love as well. No matter what the sex or gender of their partner is or the color of their partner's skin, you deserve that love. Yeah, 100%. It's like, and I and I like that, when, like I'm in an relation, interracial relationship myself too. And it's like, you don't really realize, obviously we're conditioned to it, we're in those relationships. But sometimes when you're in the mall or the grocery store and people look at you sideways, you're like, Oh, right. This is still a foreign concept. right? (laughs) (laughs) Takes you back a minute. But that's what can we need couples like you like just to be posting and being living free and proud because it's so foreign to some people. It's scary. So okay, you guys also have a really cute YouTube channel. So I know working with your partner sometimes can be annoying. But how do you two kind of come up with the concepts because you're doing like, it's merging of the dancing and the poetry. And then it's, you know, your traditional YouTube and sharing your relationship. Like, how do you come about creating your content? Oh my God, it's stressful. I will say, <laughs> I don't I don't care how close you are with your partner. I don't care how in, madly in love you all are because we're madly in love. Like, we right. check boxes. Working together just brings stress because work is a stressful thing. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like, you, you can't avoid that part of it. And we say a lot of no's to a lot of ideas um, before we get to yeses and before we both get to a place where we can collab on something that we really feel passionate about. But as much as we can, we try to separate these two things. We make we understand that making YouTube videos and making content together isn't spending time together. We still need to spend time together. Yes, like, fair, we still yeah. need to stay here together. We still need to be very loving. And I'll uh, we will tell each other like today, okay, I'm putting my work hat on. Like we're we're getting to it today. So yeah. you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to step on no toes, but we're trying to get things done. And there are certain things like the poetry in motion, like the dance and the writing that are just so obvious yeses to us. We're just like, of yeah. course, like this is easy. And and we are very honest. You have to be honest. Uh, the, of course, communicate with love. Of course, don't just be chopping your partner at the yeah, neck every yeah. two seconds. <laughs> you do have to be honest because if you compromise on something you don't want to compromise on, that could build resentment. You know, yeah. that can make the process just not fun and enjoyable. And if you're both honest and once you get to that yes and you get to that good place, you're going to feel so great about what you create together with your partner and it will bring you closer. Uh, so it's a stressful process, but uh, we feel like it's worth it. And until the day where we don't feel like it's worth it, we're going to continue to do it. Right, right, right. Yeah, like until it's not fun anymore, why why would you stop? 
Okay, so I kind of, you touched on it a little bit, and um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more in terms of this whole toxic masculinity. Like for yourself, especially on social media, do you feel like being an athlete at first, you almost had to portray, you know, you probably had, I don't really know how the NFL works, but in a world where teams are looking at you or potential coaches are looking at you, like, did you kind of feel like you had to portray this hyper-masculine football player, athlete, and then sheing the ship. Like, can you walk me through that? Yeah, of course. I, a, a lot of spotlight when it comes to masculinity, especially toxic masculinity in male professional sports, is on the professional side. It's on the NFL. It's on, like, the NBA. It's on these, yeah. these careers. Um, but this isn't something that just happens once you, you know, you start making money to play sports. This is toxic masculinity in specific is embedded into football culture here in the United States. Yeah. As a young boy, the first time I ever touched a football, it was to play a game called Smear the Queer. And I didn't know what a queer was. I just know if I had the ball, I was the queer and I was people were coming to hurt me and they were coming to tackle me and hit me and take the ball from me. So yeah. it's something as simple as that or something as telling a young boy in peewee league, you throw like a girl or don't you don't cry. You're being don't be soft. Men aren't soft. Men don't cry. You know, all yeah. these little things that that we we just oh, it's football, you know, that's just old school football. It's like, no, that's toxic masculinity. In its root, that's misogyny. In, in, in <laughs> a parallel, that's homophobia. Like, no, yeah. let's call these things what they actually are and not just berate our children with these and have them grow up doubting themselves or feeling like they have to put on or present a certain way. Um, so there, I definitely experienced that. I feel like anyone who's played football in the States really, I don't know about now, like I said, I know the world's a little more progressive now, but I, I still feel like anyone who play, who's played football has encountered these type of microaggressions and microhomophobic aggressions onto yourself. Yeah. And you put that on. In, 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 in the era that I am now, like we kind of said with social media, I had to redefine masculinity for myself because there are parts of my masculinity that I enjoy. There are parts that I like. There are parts that make me very much me. And I want to lean into those and love on those. And there are parts of the definition where I'm like, no, this isn't healthy. You know, take this yeah. out. This isn't, this isn't good. <laughs> take this out. This is actually creating a lot of self-hate and self-doubt. Or maybe this just isn't something that you encompass. This so supposed masculine characteristic. You just don't have you just don't have it. You don't have to. You know, you yeah. don't need that. <laughs> so quit trying to to incorporate that in your life and make things harder for you. Um, so sports, yeah, it's definitely a different realm, but I think it starts young. I think the change starts with children. And, and with kind of youth sports and with football culture, because the more that we allow athletes, young athletes to be themselves and love themselves and play the sports that they want to truly embracing their truth and who they are, the more we'll see out professional athletes, the more we'll see inclusive um, family sporting events, the more we'll see inclusive yeah. even sports leagues for young queer children in their own cities. And yeah, that'd be amazing. Because we're all going to retire. Like, Right. Everybody's going to retire that's playing right now. Tom Brady eventually, even though he's 40, is going to retire. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And someone else is going to have to step up. And we want those people to be more inclusive, more loving, more led by also more queer people. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what we want. Yeah, that's, I actually love what you just said about in terms of like, almost taking inventory of your own masculinity. You know what I mean? Like, what have you been exposed or conditioned to put on an act to be this masculine figure but it's not really in your innate nature so I like that take inventory of your masculinity okay so I want to shift gears to kind of spirituality um you know spirituality can take on many forms it, people think it's religious it can be religious or it could be like a simple meditation practice a journal practice what is your kind of spiritual practice if any yeah my spiritual practice has it's definitely 
as I have transformed. Uh, <laughs> like I mentioned, when I first moved to Texas, football, the church, you know, right. and I, I, as I took on football and as I became embedded in my life, I also tried to embed Christianity and really organize religion um, into my life. And I, it was serviceable for me. It was good for me until up until a point where it wasn't. And I understand everyone's experience is different. I don't fault Christianity as a belief. <laughs> like I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there are some things when you put people in power, like we aren't perfect. No one's yep. perfect. And right. I encountered, um, you know, feeling like I wasn't good enough. I've encountered feeling like I was, you know, a sinner and that I was doomed and, you know, who I was. I had to change who I was. Um, and those aren't the things that brought me to religion. The things that brought me to organized religion were come as you are. The things that yes. brought me to organized religion were like, <laughs> even though you don't have an earthly father, you have a heavenly father. And these are all the things that brought me there. And then once I got there, I feel like I wasn't getting that. Instead, I was getting a lot of, okay, we, we still have all these promises for you, but you need to do A, B, and C first before right. you get them. So, um, so I had to read for myself. I, I am a very spiritual person. I do believe in a higher power, whether that power, power be God or Allah or just love or just the connection of humanity in the universe. I do believe in it. I have a cross tattooed behind my ear because at one point I felt very far from my spirituality and I feel like I couldn't hear God anymore. So I wanted to put a symbol of religion behind my ear so that I could hear him. And I've been through a lot. I lost my best friend to cancer um, in 20, 2017. Oh my God, it's been, it's been a while. And that was really hard for me because he was very religious and very spiritual and he believed. Right. And to see one of like the best people that I know, best man, brother, husband, football player, all that, go so young, it felt so unfair to me. Yeah. Uh, so that was really hard, but I had to understand that there are things and forces in this world beyond my control. And if I spend my days trying to understand them, if I spend my days trying to control them, then I am not going to be happy. I'm not also not going to show up for the people in my life who do love me and who do feed into my soul. And I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, so now fast forward. <laughs> I focus very much on meditating. I focus very much on journaling. I focus very much on being in nature. I feel the most spiritual connection in nature. I love hikes. I love the beach, the ocean. If the ocean isn't a symbol of like divine power on this earth, then I don't know what is. Right. Like, exactly. I love, I love being connected to this planet that we're on because there are so many devices that are cool and fun and validating and you get likes and you can post that TikTok video and it's all cute. Uh, but that's not the world that we, we all right. <laughs> that we have created, have fun. And now people are kind of taking it too seriously. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> so I, I just love getting back to nature. I feel that that's where the most spiritual presence is for me. And I love that part of spirituality. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's it's like you said, that between journaling, meditating and identifying nature somewhere that you feel comfortable, it's like just finding your routine and what's going to make you tick. You know what I mean? Like a run down a concrete jungle in a major city could be somebody's nature. You know what I mean? So it's just okay. finding what ticks for you. Okay, so you had a shoulder injury, right? At some point that I've heard um, wasn't the easiest, obviously. What was kind of one thing that helped like pull you out of that and really kind of like redefine yourself oh 
Yeah, the shoulder injury was rough just because so much of my identity at that point was in my career. So much yeah. of who I believed I was or even who I who I valued in myself, like the version of myself that I valued the most at that time was the football player. I right. didn't I didn't care that much about the poet. I didn't care that much about the bisexual man. I didn't even care that much about about even just being the black man I am today. I mean, because when that shoulder injury happened, it was kind of in the heat of the Colin Kaepernick um, taking a knee for social injustice. And I was one of the players that did not take a knee. You know, mm -hmm. I valued my career and that financial stability for my, to be able to provide for my family over that cause. And even though I tried to help in other ways, that's still a decision that I made that I live with and that I, I regret, you know, in, in looking back in hindsight. But before the shoulder injury, I was, the football player was all I cared about. That was all I fed to people. That was all I told people when they met me, all of that. And when you can't play, and then the team that you sacrifice for looks at you and says like, oh, we don't know if you'll be able to play. So we don't, you know, we don't need you anymore. We can't really, oh, you, God. and you sit with yourself and you're like, what else do I have? You know, I've neglected everything else for so long. And right. it was painful at that same time. Like I said, I, I, my best friend had passed around that same time. And I got to a very dangerous place where it was like, loving yourself is life or death. Like, you yeah. are either going to wake up and, and love yourself and start to feed into yourself and start to learn who you are and embrace that, or you're not going to keep wanting to wake up. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah. not going to keep wanting to do that. So true. Uh, so I did. I started going to therapy. I started writing and sharing and meeting other writers and other poets and, and, and just picking their brains and feeding that energy. I moved to Los Angeles, a city that I had always visited and always really loved and felt inspired in and felt just very comfortable and welcome. And I moved here. I met people and started introducing all of myself, not just, hey, the football player, but hey, I do this. I do that. I like yeah. this as well. I started living openly bi as a bisexual man, which was super liberating. Like, I was afraid, of course, at first when I just started doing it and meeting people out here and I was outside of the football kind of spotlight at the time, it was so liberating. And I was like, there's no going back. There's there's no, yeah. there's no regression from this. Like, I'm, I'm so happy right now and I'm not playing football. I've never, I've never been able to say that in my life. I've never been happy when I wasn't playing football. Um, and I got to that point. So that, that was, that was a huge step for me. Also just a huge step in me coming out. Right. And we were a magical moment, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to dig deep and it all comes within, like you said, it's a choice to love yourself. You know what I mean? You got to dig deep and do it. Okay. What is one kind of big advice you got in terms of like self-love, loving yourself? Like, you know, when somebody drops like a negative information and you're like, ooh, that really like hit home. Oh my God. I grew up as a single child most of my life. So talking to myself is not like weird for me. <laughs> I know some people feel kind of uncomfortable or think it's a little strange, but I have to because there are so many negative voices in this world. I mean, we can turn on the news now and I bet the first five headlines are negative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, you know, you're going to find complaints. You're going to always find kind of this negative dialogue. And some of it is about the world, some of it is about you, some of it is about a group or a community that you identify and belong to. And you need positive voices, literal voices to combat that. <laughs> and sometimes I can't always call my mom and be like, hey, can you hype me up? Can you give me a pep talk? Sometimes I gotta hype my damn self up. So I will be in the mirror in the morning um, doing positive affirmations. I will be writing in my, my journal about all the things that I'm grateful for and all the things that I love about my life and all the things I look forward to. Also just giving yourself kind of that hope for what's to come is super huge. Yeah. And 
it, all those things are amazing because you have to you have to combat those negative kind of the ne- the negativities of life because as we all know life isn't fair there's going to be negative shit make yep. sure that you're giving yourself enough as much if not more really just more positive than all of that that you receive turning off my phone is huge i love that i love disconnecting wait for how turning long do you like just turn your phone off well, I, I have a lot of, I put a lot of the little screen time stuff on it. So my phone doesn't like social media and, and texts and calls don't come through till 10 a.m. every day. And I work up at five. So that is a lot of time for me to just be with myself and me to you even don't check your phone from five. No, to I'll 10. check the time. Like I used to even use it to play music at the gym. And I realized that was distracting. So I just play music for my Apple watch. I'm just like, no, because the phone you can just get lost in the phone. Right, right, right. And then no, it, it's, it's a whole thing. And then it, it locks again at seven, which I'm changed. But that's just so me and my, my boyfriend can have evenings together and be close and be intimate and be loving without the distraction of like a screen. And then everything, I really only have three and a half hours, I think, of screen time on my phone. So if, I'm, if it unlocks at 10 and I'm on it fast and furious and it locks again at like three, it's like your time is up. My time is up. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> wow, good for you. That is like a pro tip. I'm going to... I'm going to try that one day. I'll probably spiral, but that it makes sense. It, everything you're doing absolutely makes sense. It's like scientifically proven. We need to spend less time and you cut yourself off, but you can still like, I always make an excuse. Oh, I need music for the gym. You're right. You can find a different way to listen to your music. Bring a disc oh. man. If you need to, I had all the excuses and I was just like, <laughs> you want to be happy. Cause if, right. if you have an excuse for wanting to be happy, then you have a lot more work that you need to do on yourself. Fair, fair. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, but as you know, 2020 was one of the craziest years um, anyone on this planet, I think, has experienced. But what was kind of one takeaway? Like, it doesn't have to be anything like positive or whatever, but like, sometimes it's as simple as like, wow, I need to be wearing only black in my wardrobe. I'm removing every color to make my oh. life easier. Like, what was, <laughs> right? what, um, oh. what was kind of one of your takeaways? Oh my God, I, there was kind of, even just touching on what we just talked about, just negative and positive and trying to find that balance. There, I saw so much resilience in Black people, in Black queer people, in queer people in general, in Americans, in Democrats, in yeah. all, like, there was so much resilience. And at a time where I thought the world was literally at its worst, some of the strongest people stepped up and stepped forward in my life, personally, on the media, in, in sports, you know, where there was, I would say almost in every spectrum of, yeah. of careers or of your life or of entertainment, whatever is people stepped up and people showed out and people were not defeated. They were not beaten down. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. You know, it was, it wasn't just like racism exists. It is what it is. No, there was none <laughs> of that. People were ready. And I think we saw a lot of quote unquote, cancel culture, or people getting called out or people having to really just take responsibility for things they've done in the past because people felt, people were fed up. We're just, yep. we're fed up. 2020 gave us a lot of time and a lot of bullshit and we're fed up. And yep. I love that. I think that's <laughs> one of the great things about humans is this quote unquote fight or flight mentality. And at sometimes you just got to fight. You got to fight for what you want. So I think that was beautiful. I think 2020 showed a lot of people they got a lot more to give than they thought. They have they could survive a lot more than they thought, yeah. and they can overcome and succeed in ways that they thought they never could. And I appreciate it. I'm done with 2020. We can leave right. that. We can leave that. <laughs> we can leave it right where it is. But uh, thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you for your services, 2020. We are moving on. 
Um, but yeah, I like that. It was it, it that is a really powerful takeaway, the concept of resilience, because I don't think I think everybody literally sat down at one moment and was like, I can't do this. But you know what? You're here on the other side. You're listening to this. You made it. So congrats. <laughs> okay, so where can people now tap into your world? Where can they insta stalk you? What are the handles? What's happening on the YouTube? Give us the deets. All of my personal handles, like I said, not a lot. I only have Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> At RK Relentless, just how it spells RK, my first two initials, and Relentless, just how the dictionary spells it. You can find me and my boyfriend's joint content on Instagram, on Twitter, at Corian Russ. Uh, on YouTube, our channel is Corian Russ. And if you get there and you want to also follow my boyfriend, all of his information is there at Corey underscore O'Brien. He's a huge, he's blowing up on TikTok, actually. He, yeah, he's a dancer, of- right? Oh my God. Yes. And he'll be, he'll be full doing backflips in the house and doing all types of purees and all, no purees are cooking things. All types of things I don't know. <laughs> so follow him on TikTok, Corey underscore O'Brien, 200K and growing like freaking crazy. And I think that's all my social stuff. My personal websites are carolinless.com. You can stay in touch with my poetry, my writing, events that I'm doing, um, articles that I've either interviewed or written all right there. So please come connect with me. Cool. I love that. Um, thank you so much again for your time. You dropped really some great nuggets of information. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you sending you love and good vibes and give your love and good vibes to your partner as well. And you the same. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. If you are an OG thirst listener, I'm just giving you some extra love in because I really appreciate you just writing it out and being with me on my journey in the podcast world and everything happening with thirst. So I just really appreciate you truly from the bottom my heart i really really do and if you're new if you're stumbling in here uh we are thirst you can follow us at this is thirst if you are a queer man looking for a quarterly subscription box i'm so excited to be launching the thirst boy box you can follow more information about that at thirst boy all these social handles including my own are going to be in the description of the episode if you haven't hit that subscribe button or taking the time to write a review now's the time but yeah thank you for being here with me and sending just a bunch of good vibes your way and always remember the thirst is real